Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 22, Using the Law of Balance To yield is to be preserved whole. To be bent is to become straight. To be empty is to be full. To be worn out is to be renewed. To have little is to possess. To have plenty is to be perplexed. Therefore the sage embraces the one and becomes the model of the world. The sage does not justify herself. Therefore she becomes prominent. She does not boast of herself. Therefore she is given credit. She does not brag, therefore she can endure for long. It is precisely because she does not compete that the world cannot compete with her. Is the ancient saying, to yield is to be preserved hold, empty words? Truly she will be preserved and prominence and credit will come to her. That's verse 22 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Wing Tsit Chen. Next, let's break it down. This verse has three parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. So part one is kind of giving us examples of the law of balance. Part two is giving us personal examples of balance. And part three talks about the results of using the law of balance. Basically, we grow stronger by yielding. So... When we're saying to yield is to be preserved whole, to be bent is to become straight, to empty is to be full, I feel like Lao Tzu is giving us basically examples of how things just generally kind of balance out. Uh, 
there's a little bit of personal stuff in there. So, you know, like we, we looked at, look at like objective observations to be pen is to become straight, to be empty is to be full. But then we start looking at personal stuff like, or things that are more personal in nature to be worn out is to be renewed. And then to have little is to possess and to have plenty is to be perplexed. And that last part's really just more money, more problems, right? <laughs> like it's pretty much the same. Okay, so there's kind of like observations in this first part. In the second part, uh, Lao Tzu is giving us personal examples of balance. So it's kind of stretching this idea a little further. So when he says, therefore the sage embraces the one and becomes the model of the world, she does not justify herself and therefore she becomes prominent. So that's sort of like a duality thing, but also a balance thing, right? So in not justifying herself, and in other words, not saying how awesome she is, basically people take note of that and they're like, okay, you're cool. I'll listen to you. Whereas if somebody just comes right on the scene and starts bragging about their attributes where, yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm more likely to kind of not want to listen to that person. Um, and so in the second part, we look at like these different personal examples of how we can observe and even use the law of balance. In fact, further on in the experience section, we'll listen to the Lin Yutang translation because there's four aspects there that just kind of lay it out really nicely for basically personal examples of balance. Now, the third part is kind of putting this all together and it's saying, well, it's precisely because she does not compete that the world cannot compete with her. What does that mean? Well, it kind of means like, look, if I'm... If, if I've observed balance and I've observed ways to achieve personal balance, let me use this concept to my own benefit. And it's basically to yield is to be preserved whole. In other words, don't compete with anybody and nobody competes with you kind of idea, right? And it doesn't mean that I'm not fulfilling my life's purpose. That doesn't mean that I'm, you know, that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It just means that, Hey, I, I don't need to compete. I just need to keep my eyes on my prize. And basically in, in doing that, I'm left with more time with the Tao and less time with my selfish desires. Okay. Okay. So, um, those are the three parts of this verse. And to wrap that up, we'll just remember that this is verse 22, and these are the parts again. So part one talks about examples of the law of balance. And then part two talks about personal examples of balance. And then part three talks about the results of using the law of balance, how we basically grow stronger by yielding. So let's go ahead and put that back together. I'll read verse 22 again. To yield is to be preserved whole. To be bent is to become straight. To be empty is to be full. To be worn out is to be renewed. To have little is to possess. To have plenty is to be perplexed. Therefore the sage embraces the one and becomes the model of the world. The sage does not justify herself. Therefore she becomes prominent. She does not boast of herself. Therefore, she is given credit. She does not brag. 
Therefore, she can endure for long. It is precisely because she does not compete that the world cannot compete with her. Is the ancient saying, to yield is to be preserved whole, empty words? Truly, she will be preserved and prominence and credit will come to her. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering using the law of balance. There are three. Number one is that things usually balance out. Two, this idea of personal equilibrium or balance. And three, avoiding competing with ourselves. Things usually balance out. The concept of balance seems to come up a lot in the Tao Te Ching, and this verse is no exception. In fact, Lao Tzu opens up with the main idea, to yield is to be preserved whole, and then seems to go on to explain what he means in the rest of the verse. So this was pretty bite-sized for me. To be bent is to become straight, to be hollow is to be filled, to be tattered is to be renewed. Those are three physical examples of things that have multiple potential states, aren't they? Pushing a little deeper, we read that to be and want is to possess, meaning if I want something, I eventually must possess it. And this isn't saying that I get it, by the way, it's just that I'm in want, which basically results in my needing to possess. And of course, this causes agitation, doesn't it? <laughs> We've talked about that one before. And the next idea, to have plenty is to be confused. Well, that one's easy because we already kind of mentioned that and we've seen that over and over again. It's basically the idea of more money, more problems, right? So wanting brings possession and therefore a sense of mine. Having plenty brings more details. Do you remember in verse 9 when we said that a house filled with gold and jade brings only insecurity? This seems to mean the same thing for me. Okay, so if we're talking about ancient Chinese balance, let's consider balance in different forms of equilibrium we can observe today. There's three that I'll talk about. The first one is a terrarium. It's one of those things that, you know, they have little gardens in glass or plastic balls that are in, kind of enclosed. And there's like this endless water cycle that's happening in there and we can watch it. The water evaporates and turns into liquid over and over again. And so there's this equilibrium of water, heat, light, and organic matter that's all perfectly balanced and it does its thing with like no intervention from me. Okay, so that's the first thing. Let's talk about the second kind of equilibrium we can observe, which is kind of economic equilibrium. I remember a class that I took once in economics, and it had to do with supply and demand. It basically said that when there's a supply of things, the price of those things depend on the amount of demand on them. So if there are a bunch of bunches of bananas and nobody wants them, they'll be cheap. And if everybody wants them and there's a limited supply, prices will rise. The price is a reflection of a supply and demand equilibrium. It's where everything sort of balances out. Okay, what about the third thing? Well, that's personal equilibrium. And it's one of those things that I feel takes a lifetime to master. 
which I suppose can be a good thing, at least for me, because it forces me to, to adopt a continual practice. I've found the practice itself is what creates the balance. So personal equilibrium for me means staying even keel with emotions, with my finances, with social situations, and, and intimate relationships. At least those seem to be the key areas on which I can focus. All right, so if I'm looking at this idea of balance from a couple of steps back, I can notice that we're talking about that concept of duality that came up in the second verse again. The idea that we like to label things in our world and assign them places along a spectrum that has two opposite sides. And while this is probably useful to help us gain a great understanding of things, we will do well to remember that opposites are really just two aspects of one thing. So I feel like that's the message in this first part, that there is oneness in balance. And further, what we're going to see is that if we can observe balance or the one in things external to us, we can apply that into our inner selves and work toward living in harmony with the Tao. Personal equilibrium. My sense is that we can achieve a sense of balance by looking at the next part of this verse. In each line, Lao Tzu gives us suggestions for our inward-facing equilibrium in the first part of each line, and then hints at the result, which is outward-facing equilibrium. So, let's dig in. Therefore, the sage embraces the one. So, once we have equilibrium, we embrace the one, don't we? Never on one end or the other, once things have balanced out, we are outside duality. And since the natural tendency for us as humans is to remain out of balance, at least mine is, once we do become one with the Tao, we become an example for the rest of the world. Uh, But that's kind of high level, so it seems Lao Tzu goes ahead and explains what he means by that in the next four lines. Alright, so we're going to look at the next four lines only we're going to use the Lin Yutang translation. As you already know, I'm sure that Lin Yutang is my favorite one to read from right now in this period of my life. Um, but I also like the way he kind of breaks down the next four lines. And so, by the way, this is actually very similar to the Wing Tzu Chan translation. It's just that um, I kind of wrote on the Lin, Lin Yutang translation. Okay. So in the first line of the second part here, we, we read, um, we're talking about the sage. The sage does not reveal herself. That's part one of the line and is therefore luminous. That's part two of the line. So in the Lin Yutang translation, there's a footnote there that explains luminous. It comes from the Chinese word Ming with two meanings, clear and clear sighted. So I feel like not revealing oneself means not putting on a show of virtue or of anything for that matter. Like being okay with who I think or feel myself to be in the moment. Of course, without creating identity. Challenging, but feasible, I think. Okay, next. The sage does not justify herself. That's part one of the line. And is therefore far famed, which is part two of the line. I feel like this tells us to own our stuff, (laughs) quite simply. In conversations with my wife, when I tell her about what I'm doing professionally and explain my rationale for acting a certain way, 
She will disagree with how I handled it, and she'll tell me so. And in the moment, <laughs> uh, this is the worst. I'm looking for support for my decision. But after my embarrassment passes, <laughs> I can hear what she is saying, and she always helps me learn a better way to do things. I must discontinue creating reasons for my conduct in order to hear what may be the most objective third-party assessment of the situation I described. And the consequence of setting aside my excuses? Well, I learn more and become a more enlightened leader, which allows me to serve better. And when I'm not parading that, people are grateful and, according to Lao Tzu, spread the word organically. So Lao Tzu continues, The sage does not boast of himself, and therefore people give him credit. Did you recognize both parts there? This sounds pretty in line with what we just talked about, doesn't it? I think the call to action here is for me to nurture a quiet appreciation of myself without telling folks what they need to know about me. There's a certain element of the truth becoming self-evident in this line, like... There's no need for me to promote my worthiness. If I act worthy, it becomes obvious. And I can't just act it. I must sincerely keep trying to be worthy. And when others who are louder and flashier than me walk around and take the credit, it only seems like they're winning. The temptation for me is to feel less than because my efforts seem to not measure up to theirs. And further... The results these people get from advertising themselves seems to gain them recognition and renown. But, let's pause here for a moment and realize that they're getting exactly what they're telling people that they want. Superficial adoration that will disappear the moment a bigger, better deal comes along. In the last part of this verse, Lao Tzu says the way to avoid competition is not to compete. So not taking credit for things, I am remembered for who I really am in this case. The genuine, sincere, and consistent, quote, sage. Or leader. Or friend. Or wife. Or husband. Or whatever. And so there's a final piece in the fourth line here. And that is that the sage does not pride herself and is therefore the chief among humanity. Do you remember back in verse 7, we talked about abandoning identity and allowing others to give that to us instead. So the idea was that in discontinuing to create a self-image or self-concept, I allow that to emerge by serving others and observing what they find useful in me. It wasn't necessarily about letting people tell me who I am, so much as it was allowing my characteristics and talents to reveal themselves to me as I serve others. And that's exactly what we're called to do by not priding ourselves. The more I can set aside my own self-image, the more I can serve others. And the more I can serve others, the more of a legit leader I can be for humanity. Chief among humanity, Lao Tzu says. Or, put another way, an example for others to work toward in their own fashions. I feel like we can sum up these four lines by saying this. To embrace the one and use the law of balance, stay yourself and don't imitate others, own all of you, the seemingly good and the seemingly bad, be grateful for who you are, and carry on with a quiet appreciation for yourself, 
and set aside the importance of identity because it will come to you. Avoiding competing with ourselves. By now, I think we can use the law of balance to our benefit. It seems that Lao Tzu is giving us levers we can use to achieve opposite effects. And here's what I mean. We started out saying that a hollow is filled, that a bent thing gets straightened. Then we had a look at embracing the one to move into harmony with the Tao. Not bent, not straight, but the thing that is flexible. Not empty, not filled, but the empty thing that's useful. We've heard that one before, right? Verse 11. So if any time we find ourselves out of balance and leaning one way or the other, we have only to look to its opposite to set things right. I'm angry and want to feel better. I can apply the antidote, gratitude, or an appreciation for other things. I'm afraid and realize I don't want to be, but I'm having trouble shaking that feeling. I can apply the antidote and view the anxiety-causing situation from love's point of view. I'm obsessing about something and my thoughts won't turn off. The antidote is allowing it to run while settling my dust or unmuddying my waters. It's not magic, but it does take practice, of course. The idea is that we do have the leverage to bring ourselves back into balance. So while these are emotional or mental states we've been talking about so far, let's look at a more profound concept that Lao Tzu gives us. He says, it is because the sage does not contend that no one in the world can contend against her. Uh, Okay, so doesn't this sound like, be content so you can feel content? Um, At first, yeah, I feel like it's one of those no-brainer statements that is impossibly simple and therefore slightly annoying. (laughs) But... I've got to remember that while it is indeed simple, Lao Tzu's words always contain more than meets the eye, so I can push on. I ask myself, taken in context, considering the rest of this verse, what does that mean? Well, the first line in the verse gives us a magnificent clue, and that's to yield is to be preserved whole. Do you remember Shuang Tzu? We listened to a story in verse 18 about that tree that not trying to be perfect, grew into great proportions. The tree yielded to its basic nature and therefore lasted years beyond what its contemporaries might have. It was a terrible piece of lumber, said the carpenter. But after time, its ability to shade multitudes under it was unparalleled. In not competing with anyone, I outcompete them all. And this is what that line means to me. Hard to do, for sure, especially when the loud and flashy ones seem to be winning. I mean, even by calling them loud and flashy, I'm competing with them, aren't I? (laughs) In a sense. For me, the key seems to lie in recognizing when I am inserting my ego into a situation, thought, or feeling. And by ego, I mean that part of me that must be right at all costs. That part of me that needs a situation to play out a certain way, or that Part of me that's happy when things go my way or when I'm recognized as a good person or talented or an expert. I'm calling my ego the thing that must be satisfied in order for me to feel better about things. In other words, my self-will. And perhaps you've heard Lao Tzu call us to do nothing before. 
That theme is laced all throughout the Tao Te Ching. And this is what he means by doing nothing in my perspective, abstaining from inserting my ego or self-will into things. And by allowing things to be as they are and abstaining from inserting my ego into them, I eliminate the essence of competition. I just got to take a moment here and I ask myself, what does it mean to win, to be the best, to be found worthy, to be better than, to be not a failure? I mean, aren't these categorizations of self-worth? If I leave my self-worth open to external factors like people or situations, I may win some, I may lose some, but at the end of the day, I'm left agitated and therefore have expended energy needlessly in whatever direction I've gone. Might it not be better to sidestep that whole thing, refrain from competing and emerge whole? If it's just not my health that's preserved from exhaustion, what about my spirit? I don't know about y'all, but for me, being angry is exhausting. Being afraid is exhausting. I've learned to, for the most part, sidestep these awful ego-feeding habits and have found that life is still rewarding. It's still fulfilling. When I can live in harmony with the Tao by keeping my ego out of things, I experience greater joy and am able to love others more deeply to include myself. I've found that the practice of leaving ego out results in wonderful things. So not competing actually has nothing to do with others. <laughs> it's all <laughs> crazy, right? It's all about how my self-will appears to make me feel better in comparison to them. But I'm doing that. They aren't. It's me. And the best piece of news I've heard all day is that if I'm creating this agitation, fear, and anger... I am the one who can stop it. I need not depend on others or situations for my well-being. Simply because I already have it. All I need to do is look within. Discover how I'm placing myself out of balance. Apply an antidote. And move contentedly back into harmony with the Tao. So... That'll wrap it up today with my experience. In considering using the law of balance, I thought about three things. Number one is that things usually balance out. The second thing is I thought about examples and how to exercise personal equilibrium. And the third thing is avoiding competing with ourselves. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of using the law of balance in this verse today. By now, we've kind of gotten comfortable with this idea of using the law of balance. Basically, things always balance out and reach equilibrium. And being aware of this, we can use this principle to not only bring ourselves into balance more quickly, but we can actively practice balance too. So, with this in mind... I'd like us to take a look at the main point of verse 22. To yield is to be preserved whole. In other words, non-competition results in maintaining balance. So, let's look at some of the ways we compete from day to day. We compete with others and we compete with ourselves, don't we? 
in competing with others, I can find myself always making mental notes. Like, is this person legit? Is this person better than me? Am I better than that person? And maybe it's not so obvious. Maybe our little competitions are a little more subtle. At home, is my news more important than my significant other's news about the day? Do I need to express my feelings and make sure that they're heard first? Do I insist that my significant other pays attention to me? At work, do I usually listen to what others are proposing or saying? Or am I preparing counter-arguments? Or am I thinking of novel ways to relate and show that I'm a good team player by coming up with more elaborate ways to say, uh-huh, yes, I understand? <laughs> I'm totally guilty of this. <laughs> All right, now with friends, do we make fun of others? Do we talk about others? Do I bring these subjects up or do they? And when they bring others up, do I engage or allow the conversation to pass? So maybe those are three areas that I can find myself competing with others. Let's now consider how I compete with myself. I could start off by asking, what are my plans for the day? How important is it that I accomplish these things? And what happens if I don't accomplish them? Like, how will I feel? Will I be less worthy? Less disciplined? Or just not a good person if I don't accomplish my goals? What if I don't want any goals and I'm content to sit there doing nothing? Do I beat myself up for not wanting to do anything? I think the main takeaway for this verse is for us to become aware of when we contend with either ourselves or others. And we see that every time we contend, we place some sort of resistance in our paths to growth. Lao Tzu urges us to yield to accept what is, both within ourselves and without, so that we may keep close to center and therefore stay balanced. This doesn't mean that we don't need to have ambitions, certainly, but we don't need to compete against ourselves in order to get a feeling of self-worth. All right, so that will wrap it up today. To consider the principle of using the law of balance, we looked at some of the ways that we compete from day to day. We compete with ourselves and we compete with others. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 22 translated by Wing Tsit Chan. To yield is to be preserved whole. To be bent is to become straight. To be empty is to be full, and to be worn out is to be renewed. To have little is to possess. To have plenty is to be perplexed. Therefore, the sage embraces the one and becomes the model of the world. The sage does not justify herself. Therefore, she becomes prominent. She does not boast of herself. Therefore, she is given credit. She does not brag. 
therefore she can endure for long. It is precisely because she does not compete that the world cannot compete with her. Is the ancient saying, to yield is to be preserved whole, empty words? Truly, she will be preserved and prominence and credit will come to her. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening. Thank you.